an eventful Hanukkah night. I was anxious to get home earlier than usual, for it was Erev Hanukkah, and I wanted to light the first Hanukkah light before nightfall. A friend of mine, also from Long Island, had the same idea. So I offered him a ride in my car. As we were coming closer to where we were supposed to come, I turned off the main highway and followed a new road which was just made a few years ago. The boulevard, as it was called, was not only a shortcut, but if you used the boulevard, you didn't have to go through any side streets. There were no roads crossing it, so there were no red lights. At the end of this road, there was a sharp bend. Here, I interrupted my passenger's conversation, and I said a bracha, Sha'asa li nes hazeh. My friend was taken by surprise and asked me, What does that mean? I told him that whenever I pass this sharp turn, I say a bracha to thank Hashem for the miracle that He has made for me here. He asked me, What kind of miracle happened to me there? Oh, it was some miracle that I had but it was really one of the many miracles that happened that night. As a matter of fact, it happened on this very night of Hanukkah five years ago. And I never forget to make this bracha every time I pass this spot. Should I tell you the whole story, what happened? Well, it sounds like an interesting story. Tell me all of it. Gladly, I said, and began my story going back five years to the night. I came home early to bench the Hanukkah light. Usually, when I light the Hanukkah lights, everyone in the house is very happy. But this time, it was not as happy as usual, because someone was missing. That someone was Rachmiel. That was our neighbor's eight-year-old boy. Rachmiel, we used to call him by that name because that was his Hebrew name. But everyone else in his family used to call him Rani. He was a fine Jewish boy. His young parents moved next door to us when he was five years old. Rani soon made friends with all of his neighbors. Especially, he made himself at home with us. He liked what was going on in our house. You see... Ronnie's parents were not religious. Shabbos and Yom Tov were not strictly kept in his home. He would come into our house on Friday afternoon and watch the hustle and bustle of the preparations for Shabbos. Fascinated, he watched my wife bench the Shabbos lights. Then he rushed home and asked his mother why she didn't change her dress for Shabbos and light the Shabbos candles like the neighbor's lady. Before long, Rachmiel got all the Jewish housewives on the street to change their dresses and light the Shabbos lights. He was such a sweet boy that no one could refuse him. Now, Rachmiel used to also visit us during Sukkot time. He came into our Sukkah. He learned to make certain brachas on different goodies. Also the bracha leishev basukah. And when Hanukkah came, he used to come in every evening to watch me light the Hanukkah menorah. 
His parents, in order to please him, used to light an electric Hanukkah lamp. But Rachmiel knew that this is not the real thing. The real Hanukkah menorah is with oil and wicks, and you say the brachas and sing songs, and yes, latkes too, and the dreidel, of course. We used to consider Achmiel just like a member of the family, and always waited for him before lighting the Hanukkah menorah. But that particular Hanukkah night, five years ago, Rachmiel was not in our house. Yes, a few days earlier, he had been rushed to the hospital with a pneumonia, Rachman Litzlan, and he was very sick. We missed him, and we felt doubly sad. But it was Hanukkah, and the Simcha of Hanukkah still has to go on. We did our best to sound as Simchadik as usual on this night, while in our hearts we had a prayer for Rachmiel to have a Rafua Shalema immediately. No sooner had I finished lighting the Hanukkah menorah, and the phone rang. I picked up the phone. Hello? This is your neighbor, Jack, Ronnie's father. Oh, of course. Uh, how's the boy? That's why I'm calling you from the hospital. Ronnie is very sick. The doctors say that tonight will be very critical. He has a high fever. He's so not well. He, he just keeps on saying the word Hanukkah, Hanukkah. I guess he's missing the Hanukkah lights. I really don't want to trouble you to, to, to come all the way here. And especially, there's a hurricane warning. But could you possibly come to the hospital? If you could light the Hanukkah menorah for him, it would cheer him up and give him new strength to overcome the crisis. He is so sick, poor Ronnie. I'd never ask you to go through so much trouble, but his life is in the balance. The voice cracked, and I could hear his father holding back his cry. Of course, Jack, I quickly said to him. I'll get into my car at once. Now have betachen, Jack. Have betachen in Hashem, who heals everyone. He works wonders. Ronnie will get well with Hashem's help. I'll see you in the hospital. Jack was only too thankful to say it in words. When I told my wife about my going to the hospital, she insisted on coming with me. It was no use trying to talk her out of it. She packed a few things, including some refreshments, in case we get stuck in the storm. We might have to stay overnight somewhere. Who knows, maybe longer. We prepared a Hanukkah lamp, oil, and wicks, and some candles were packed in too. After giving the children instructions on what to do when the hurricane comes, we got into the car and left with some heavy hearts. The hospital was at the other end of Long Island. Some two hours of driving, even if you go without any traffic. We might just be able to make it if only the hurricane would hold off long enough. 
It was just about six o'clock in the evening when we started out. Heavy clouds hung in the sky. It was very dark. The roads were empty. No one wanted to travel when they knew that there is going to be a hurricane very soon. I turned on the radio of my car. Hurricane warnings were repeated every few minutes. It was called Hurricane Peggy, packing 90 miles an hour winds. It was heading for Long Island. And it was supposed to hit Long Island about 8 o'clock. It was a dangerous storm. People were warned to stay off the road. They expected that the waters of the ocean will flood into the city a little bit. And that will happen even before the actual hurricane comes. Those living near the coast were told to move away quickly to some higher ground so they shouldn't be caught by the flood. Those living in basements were told to move to the upper floors. Get off the road and find safe shelter. Board up windows facing the ocean, the radio said again and again. It was frightening, but we had the Tachen in Hashem. We looked around, there was not a car on the road. So we raced full speed ahead at the Hempstead and Jones Beach toll gate. An anxious keeper was about to close the gate. Where are you going? He asked us in surprise. Haven't you heard the hurricane warning? Yes, but we are going to Port Jefferson to the hospital it's a very important matter. Please don't hold us back. You'll never make it. I advise you to turn back, the tollkeeper said. Sorry, sir. We must go on. A life is in the balance. I gave him a dollar bill, and not even waiting for change, I sped on. The highway was quite empty. It was strange to, d to drive for miles without even one passing car. Not even a police car. Long Islanders getting ready for Peggy, they said on the news. We drove on, feeling the wind getting stronger and stronger. We hoped and prayed to get the to the hospital before Peggy breaks loose. Special bulletin from the Weather Bureau, the voice said in the radio. Stand by, we're switching to the Weather Bureau. Hurricane Control Center reports Peggy has stalled 30 miles off the Long Island coast. Stand by for further bulletins. That was wonderful news. <laughs> if Peggy will only stay there long enough, we'll make it on time. Hurricane Control Center. Hurricane Peggy seems to be gathering strength Hacking winds at 125 miles an hour. The eye of the storm, which has been stationary, standing in one place for the past 10 minutes, has now taken a strong turn. Emergency pre preparations should be made because it's coming closer. Stand by for further reports. This was the last report we heard as we sped into Port Jefferson and the hospital. Baruch Hashem, we made it. Ronnie's parents gave us 
a very thankful look as we came into his room. The boy lay still in his bed, eyes closed, breathing heavily. A nurse was wiping off his feverish brow. An oxygen tent stood nearby just in case, in case it was needed. I went to the bedside and said softly, Rachmiel, I'm going to bench the Hanukkah light. Can you hear me, Rachmiel? At the sound of my voice, the boy opened his eyes and a happy smile appeared on his pale face. He tried to sit up, so the nurse moved the cushion right under him that he should be able to sit up a little bit. The color began to return to his face, and he said, Happy Hanukkah, everybody! Just as he always called out when he came into our house on Hanukkah Eve. The change in the boy's condition was so sudden that everyone noticed it. Everyone knew for sure it's a miracle. After the lighting of the Hanukkah light and the singing of a Hanukkah song, Rachmiel kept on staring at the Hanukkah light for a while and then said he was thirsty. The nurse brought him some hot drink which he swallowed thirstily. He felt happy and relaxed and soon he sank into a sound sleep, breathing quite normally. Baruch Hashem, the most difficult time was over. And now Rachmiel was getting better. Rachmiel's parents offered us a, st a place to stay in a hotel nearby, since they were going to stay at in the hospital for the rest of the time anyway. But we decided to return home right away. While we were in the hospital, it rained heavily. But the roads, even though they were flooded, they were still passable. We turned on the car's radio and found out that Hurricane Peggy turned away and went to the ocean, only brushing the Long Island coast and dropping several inches of rain. But there were some power lines that were torn down and there was complete darkness everywhere. Finally, we reached this very road, which had then just been completed. But there were no road signs except one. It read, Road under construction. Travel at your own risk. Now, this sign was not lit up in the general blackout. It was so dark, all the electricity was out, so the lights on this sign were not on. So I just kept on driving on it. We were going on a normal speed when suddenly, for no special reason, I suddenly started to begin to slow down and then I stopped. I don't know why I did it. I just put the brakes on, the car skidded a little bit, bumped into the side and I stopped. I climbed out of the car to see what had happened and the headlights of the car I was able to see that the road came to a sudden, complete turn, a sharp left turn. It was too dark to see anything else. I climbed into the car, turned the wheel sharply to the left, 
and followed the road. Finally, I came home safely, Baruch Hashem. It was not until the next day, when I took that road again in the daylight, that I realized what kind of miracle had actually taken place. Because if the car did not slow down and stop where I did, we would have gone right over that part, that embankment, and fall with the car into a deep water-filled creek some 20 feet below. It was a miracle that I stopped there. I immediately made the bracha, to thank Hashem who made a miracle for me in this place and have done so ever since, every time I pass this spot. So that's my story about the miracle that happened to me five years ago. Well, that was truly a miraculous Hanukkah night, my friend said as he got out of my car because we just came at his home. He added, I bet that when you say Alanisim, you have in mind all those personal miracles of yours. I do indeed, but I'm sure everyone has some personal miracles to be thankful to Hashem for. Happy Hanukkah! Happy Hanukkah! Oh, by the way, what happened uh, with Yerachmiel? Well, he still comes to us as usual, but I want you to know he just had his bar mitzvah and he lights his own Hanukkah menorah. His parents became strictly observant too. They keep all the mitzvahs. Another miracle! Now, that is quite natural. Happy Hanukkah again! A Hanukkah miracle. Nun, Gimel, hey, Shin, a great miracle was to be seen. Daniel loved singing this song while he was playing dreidel across the table. An hour after the menorah had been lit, he and his sister were still playing their Hanukkah games. Soon, however, Daniel's thoughts began to wander. The Maccabees, a miracle with the oil. His father, business finished early today, noticed the questioning expression. What is it, Sonny? he asked. Hanukkah happened so many years ago. I want to ask you if any miracles happened to the Jewish people since then. Tati, has a miracle ever happened to you? asked Miriam. Well... Hashem is doing miracles all the time. Only we get so used to them that they're all taken for granted. Listen, I'll tell you a true story of what I would call a miracle. Daniel and Miriam needed no further invitation. While they were eating the delicious latkes that mother brought in, they sat down to listen with very close attention. Tati began his story. Many years ago, an old couple, a Tati and a Mami, traveled to America from Russia. Here they hoped that life would be easier. They had one child, Moshe. Life, however, was much more difficult than they had imagined. They lived in two small rooms and can only just afford the rent. 
It was quite difficult for them to make a living. But there was one thing that they both agreed, that their son Moshe should have all the things that they missed. He would become a professional. Yes, they want him to become a big businessman, to become very rich. They scraped and saved every penny. They nearly starved themselves in order to send Moshe to college. They thought that over there he's going to learn how to become a successful businessman. Of course, they didn't realize how dangerous it is to send a Yiddish boy to college. How dangerous it is for a Yid to be in such a place, which is full of Goyishkeit and so many Goyim, and how many letters and Sikhs that I spoke about how dangerous it is to be in, in a college. But once Moshe got there, he started to study, and it was doing very well. In his new college, he was mixing with many Goyesha friends. And wanting to be popular and to have a lot of friends, so he made himself friends with all of them. It was not long before he felt uncomfortable to be Jewish and different from everyone else. It's too embarrassing, he thought, to bring sandwiches from my house each, each day. It's so much simpler to eat in the college restaurant. True, I can't eat the food that they have in the restaurant. I have to bring kosher sandwiches from the house. But it's so much easier just to eat in the restaurant. And then suddenly he started to feel that it's no longer important to learn every day some Tyra. He can skip a shear once in a while. What's about Mincha? He started to skip it one day and then another day. And before long, he wasn't davening Mincha. It didn't take long. Davening Shachris was a little hard for him already. Many times on Shabbos, he would spend his time in his friends' apartments. Yes, the Goyish of friends' apartments. The best television programs always seem to be showing then. But his parents had no idea what was happening to Moshe, or Maris, as now he was being called. Time passed. As expected, Moshe came out on the tap in all of his tests. But it wasn't easy to find the right sort of job. You can imagine how happy he was, therefore, when one of the top companies in the area offered him a job. He came for an interview to speak to the one in charge, and he was only too proud to see that he was the one who was chosen from 200 other people who wanted to get this job. It wasn't an easy job, it was quite a challenging job, but over here he's going to become quite rich. Yes, during the long interview, he was told that if he showed that he's going to do a good job, he will become the general manager. And so far as being paid, they're going to pay him right now each week 
more than how much his father would make even in a whole month. Moshe was thrilled. He was so excited when he was told that he can start working immediately. His mind whirling, he stood up to leave and was already at the door when he turned suddenly and he said, Um, but I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you that I am Jewish and I won't be able to work on Shabbos or Yom Tif. After much discussion and explanation, they finally agreed as a great favor to allow him not to work on Shabbos and on Yom Tif. Then Moshe mentioned that Friday afternoon in the winter days are very, very short. So you will have to leave work early. At this, the directors became quite angry and said, No, that we can't give you. They could not allow him any more time off for, for religious reasons. And if he accepted the job, he must work a full week. He can take off Shabbos, but Friday has to be a full day. Moshe could not bring himself to accept this condition. He promised that he would let them know his decision within the next few days. He left. Now Moshe's mind was completely confused. He wandered just like this through the streets. Here was the chance of a lifetime. He could hear the words of the lecturer in the college who said, if you want to make a success of life, do not give up any chance that you have to make money to get a job. Grab it as soon as it comes. These words that he kept on hearing the college professor saying to him were now ringing in his mind. Was he going to hold back now for the sake of a few hours on a Friday afternoon in the winter months? It's such a hard thing to decide. Then Moshe thought of his dear parents. They would be heartbroken to know that he was Mechalel Shabbos in any way, that he desecrated the Shabbos. It was a very serious conflict, very hard for him to decide. Unable to reach a, a decision, he continued walking for many hours. Then suddenly, he didn't realize, he bumped into somebody walking by. Uh, I'm sorry, said Moshe. He was about to walk on, but he looked up to see the man who he bumped into. Oh, yeah, I remember this man. That round, cheerful face, the straggly red beard which didn't grow that long, kind, gentle eyes that would never show anger. Why? Why was it so familiar? Suddenly the memories flooded back. Reb Yankel, Reb Yankel, he shouted. Well, well, Moshe, I never thought that you would have recognized your old Cheder teacher after all these years. What are you doing now, Moshe? Fulfilled all those great ambitions you told us about in Cheder? It was quiet. Moshe didn't answer a word. 
And Rebyanko, understanding as always, felt that this man felt alone. Come on for a chat. Let's talk a little, he offered Maisha. Maisha hesitated. He didn't really want to speak. He wasn't sure whether he wants to tell his old Rebbe what he's going through. Then he looked up at the kindly face and knew that he could not resist the invitation. Yes, he said firmly, let's go. Over a drink, the story tumbled out. Yes, he told his Rebbe the whole story and everything that he's going through right now. Why shouldn't I accept the job, he argued. In any case, once I've been there some time and proved my worth, they'll surely let me go for those few hours on Friday afternoon. Rebyankel was quiet for a moment, and then, shaking his head, said, Moshe, you've changed a lot since I taught you. But as I told you then, and still tell my students, it's never too late to do Teshuvah. This is your turning point. It is a hard decision. But if you do what is deep down you know is right and true to your parents and teachers, I am convinced that you will feel far happier even if the future does not seem so rosy. Did your parents make such sacrifices all the years for you to desecrate the Shabbos? Hashem's mitzvahs? You know you must keep them even when they're hard to keep and even when we don't understand their reasons. But you know, Maisha, whenever I have been faced with a difficult situation and decided to do the right thing even if it is the harder path, sooner or later, something happens to prove it was right. I'm sure that Hashem will show you that your sacrifice was worthwhile. Moshe was not yet convinced. They continued talking for hours before he finally felt his mind clear. That same day he wrote to the company saying that for him religious things were more important than anything else and he is sorry to say that he can't take the job. So Moshe found a job with a small local company. It was not an exciting job, but his parents were happy that he worked for Jewish people and had no problems about time off for Shabbos and Yom Tif. Moshe, however, did not always feel so happy. Did I make the right decision? He often asked himself. Rabbi Yankel said, God would show me, but I haven't seen any miracles yet. Life would be so different now if I had that job. That Hanukkah, he came home early to light his menorah. Afterwards, while his mother served hot latkes, he picked up the evening newspaper. 
A glance at the headlines made him turn pale. Famous company goes bankrupt. All accountants under suspicion. That means that a certain company lost all its money and the accountants, those are those who make the cheshbonus, they count up all the money that comes in and that goes out, and Moshe was supposed to have one of those jobs, they were all under suspicion. No one knows who is guilty here. And they had a picture of each accountant of that company on the front page of the newspaper. And over there it says, which one is guilty? And they're going to put everyone through court and judges and everything to find out who is guilty. Moshe gave a tremor. Now he had his answer. Yes, this is that company that Moshe would have worked by. If he would not have listened to Rabbi Yankel, his picture would have been there on the newspaper too. Look at the shame and disgrace that he would have. That Hanukkah changed Moshe's life. From then on, he was a true Jew. The Torah mitzvahs were no longer a burden to him. It wasn't a heavy thing for him. Especially Shabbos was a special joy. Yes, it became so precious. And each week, Shalom Aleichem would be sung with such a great good feeling. And what's about his job? <laughs> you know what happened? All the people who did business with that big company now went over to the company for which Moshe was working, for the small company. But now the small one became a big company, but since it was Yitten, so they had Shabbos, and they had Yantiv, they had no problems about anything of Yiddishkeit, they had a minion for Mincha during the day, and there was Shachris, and of everything you needed. And what happened to Moshe? In that company, he became a very successful managing director. The room was quiet when Tati finished telling this story to Daniel and Miriam. They looked at each other. They knew, without being told, that the Moshe in this story was really none other than their own Tati. Thank you, Tati, for making the right decision. Thank you, said Daniel. My question is answered now. Yes said Miriam. My rhyme now is Nun Gimel Hey Shin Great miracles can still be seen. Yes, this was the Hanukkah miracle that Tati told Daniel and Miriam that happened to himself which teaches a lesson that the real way to succeed in this world Begashmius is by doing what Hashem wants from us in Rachnius. If we do what Hashem wants, and we don't give up anything, don't give away anything from our Torah mitzvahs, then not only will it be good for you and all the ruchniyistik, Torah mitzvahs things, but also begashmiyas, you can have a pleasant life, a happy life, a rich life, with all good things, with much nachis, and the most important thing, 
to have the bracha of the Geula through Mashiach Tzidkenu, who is coming to take us out of Golos. Tekef umiyad mamash. Hilchais Hanukkah. The Gemara says, My Hanukkah, Vos is Hanukkah. What is the Yomtev of Hanukkah all about? The Gemara tells us like this. On the 25th day of Kislev begins the eight days of Hanukkah. It was in the times of the second base Hamikdash. The Greeks had a very strong kingdom, but they never had power over the Yidden. But then came a time when they started to get very strong and they made terrible gazeras against the Yidden. They tried to stop the Yidden from their doing their Taita Mitzvahs. And they were taking away the money from the Yidden, taking away the daughters of the Yidden. And then they went and broke into the base Hamikdash and made a lot of trouble for the Yidden. The Yidden suffered a lot. Until Hashem had Rachmanis on them and saved them from the hands of the Rishayim. The family of Hashmei Na'i, the Kayanim Gedolim, won over the Greeks, the Yavanim, and destroyed those Yavanim. And then the Yidden got back their kingdom, which lasted for another 200 years until the base Amikdash was destroyed. Our Chachamim tell us that when the Yavanim came to the base Amikdash, they took all of the oils of the base Amikdash and made them Tamei. And we know that for lighting the Menorah, it must be pure olive oil that had the seal of the Koyhein God oil on the container to show that it's not Tamei. And when the family of Hashmei won over the Yavanim and they came back into the Beis HaMikdash to clean everything up, they searched for a container of oil to light the Menorah, but they did not find any oil at all except for one container of pure olive oil which was not Tamei. This was hidden in the ground and the Yavadim did not touch it. When they looked at it they saw that it had the seal of the Kayan Godal on it and they realized and they were able to see on it that the Yavadim didn't touch it. But, the oil was only enough oil for one time to light the Menorah. The Menorah was lit every single day. Now they only have for one day's worth of oil. In order to get new oil it takes 
three days to travel, three days to come back, and one day to take the olives off the trees. So it's going to take them another seven days. Hashem made a miracle that this oil, which was only enough for one day, burned for eight straight days. That means not only did it burn for the first day, but it burnt another seven days until the Yidden were able to get new oil once again. The Chachamim in those times decided because of the great miracle of the eight days of Hanukkah, we're going to make a Yamtif and every day we're going to read the Hallel, the whole Hallel, and say Alanisim when we daven Shemina Esrei and when we bench. And we're going to light eight lights for the eight nights of Hanukkah. Every night, another light. And we're going to light this in the place of the house that everyone should be able to see the lights to show everybody the miracle that everyone should know the great miracle that Hashem did for the Yidden then. These days are called Hanukkah. Hanukkah also has the letters Chanukah. Chanu means rested. Ka is Chafhei. It means they rested on Chafhei, the 25th day of Kislev. Because until the 25th day of twenty-fifth day of Kislev, they were fighting off the enemies. Because they had to fight off the enemies, they weren't able to rest until it was over. On the 24th day, they were still fighting and finally got rid of the enemies. And the 25th day, Chafhei, is when they rested. Chanu Chafhei. They rested on Chafhei Kislev. Another reason why it's called Chanukah, because Chanukah is also from the word Chinuch. When you start off something new and train something into a new thing and into a new way, it's called Chinuch. Like when you train a boy to do a mitzvah. The same thing is with the Mizbeach of those days. When the Hashmei Noyim came in and they found a big mess in the Beis HaMikdash, they saw that the Yavanim made very bad things in the Beis HaMikdash and they also spoiled, they ruined the Mizbeach and they had to rebuild a new Mizbeach and when you make a new Mizbeach you have to make Chinuch, you have to be Mechanachit, you have to start it off it's just like when Moshe Rabbeinu finished building up the Mishkan, the Nesim brought Karbanos in order to start off the use of the Mizbeach the right way. That's why it's called Chanukah HaMizbeach. Chanukah from the word Chinuch. And that's also why we read in the Torah the Pasha of Chanukah HaMizbeach of the Nesim in the time of Maisha. There are those who say that the days of Hanukkah are set for saying Hallel, Alanisim, 
lighting the lights. But we don't see a special Sa'uda like we have on Purim. On Purim we have a special Sa'uda's Purim. The reason is because in the time of Purim, Haman wanted to destroy every Yid. He wanted to kill them out, Rahman al-Islan. They wanted to kill the Yidden, harm them begashmias with their bodies. And that's why we celebrate with things that our bodies feel. We eat, we have shalachmanes, we drink, we say lachayim, we make a sudas purim. But on Hanukkah, the Yavana mainly wanted the Yidden to stop doing the mitzvahs. They didn't care if the Yidden would stay alive. They just didn't want the ruchnius of the Yidden, the Torah and the mitzvahs. So that's why at Hanukkah, when we got rid of the Yavanim, we celebrate with the ruchniyistic things. We say Hallel, we say Alanisim, we light candles, the Menorah, but not so much with Gashmiyistic things. But then there are others who say that Hanukkah is also a time for having parties and a lot of Simcha. And that's why when, we co- when it comes to Hanukkah, we are supposed to do as much as possible Saudis and parties and Fabrengans, especially that the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach told us that Hanukkah is a time to make a lot of Fabrengans. And by these Fabrengans, to talk about the great miracles Hashem did in those days and in our days too. Bayom Emahain Bizman Hazer. If anyone knows of a miracle that happened to themselves or to someone of the family, talk about it, especially by these Fabrengans, because Hanukkah is a time of Pirsume Nisa to publicize and let the whole world know about the miracles that Hashem does for us. The Gemara tells us that Hashem wanted to make Chizkiah the great king Mashiach. But Hashem made a special miracle for Chizkiah and for the Yidden. And Chizkiah didn't make a very big announcement to the whole world about the miracle. So therefore, Hashem did not make him Moshiach. So the Rebbe Melech HaMashiach said that this teaches us a lesson that whenever a person has a miracle that happened to him, he should announce it and tell everyone the greatness of Hashem and thank Hashem and praise Hashem for it. The days of Hanukkah are Vachenteg. That means like weekdays. That you're allowed to do work. You're allowed to go in a car. You're allowed to turn on lights. But while the lights of the menorah are burning, women do not do any work. The reason is because the lighting of the menorah has a special connection to the women. Because the miracle happened through a woman. As I'm going to tell you later more the story about her, Yehudis, the daughter of Yochanan Kayan Gadol from the family of Hashminai, that she gave the general of the enemies, she gave him to eat cheese, that he should get very thirsty, and later she gave him wine, 
that he should drink and become shaked. And when he fell asleep, she cut his head off and she brought it out to show everybody. And when his soldiers saw that his, the head of their general was chopped off, they all got frightened and they ran away. And because the miracle happened through a woman, that's why women have a special connection to this mitzvah of lighting menorah, and therefore they should not do any work while the Hanukkah lights are burning. Everyone must light the Hanukkah menorah. Even a very poor person who only gets money from tzedakah should do whatever he can. He should borrow money or he should even sell one of his clothing in order to buy oil to light the menorah. It is our minhag to do mehadrin minha mehadrin. What is that? Like this, the mitzvah is to light one candle each night. But our Chachamim say, if you want to do the mitzvah extra good, which means mehadrin, to do it in the best way, you should light a candle for each person. That means each person of the family should light his own menorah. But then our Chachamim say, not only they should light their own candle each night, if you want to do it even better, mahadrin mina mahadrin, that means the better of the best, that is, that each night you should add another candle. The first night, one candle. The second night, two candles. The third night, three candles, and so on. Until the eighth night, eight candles. That's called mahadrin mina mahadrin. We're going extra special out of our way to do it the best way. And also women have the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. As said before, the miracle happened through a woman. And therefore, she has a special mitzvah now to light the menorah. But a woman does not have to light by herself if her husband lights for her. Her husband can be mighty for her. Girls do not light by themselves. If a woman does not have a husband to light for her, she should do it by herself. What if she doesn't know how to make the bracha and to light? So another person can do it for her. He can light the menorah and make the bracha for her, even though he did his own menorah already before. But she should stand near the menorah by the brachis and by the kindling, the lighting of the lights. Boys start lighting the menorah even when they're very young. That is in order to train them into this great mitzvah. The best way to fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah lights is to use Shemen Zayas. Just like in the Beis HaMikdash, they used Shemen Zayas olive oil. The same thing to light the Hanukkah menorah. The best way is to use olive oil. But what if a person can't? Let's say he can't find any olive oil. Then he should at least use candles which are made out of real wax, like from bee wax. Or to use another kind of oil, even though it's not olive oil, as long as it makes a pure, nice light. 
And what if you can't get this either? Then you can use any kind of oil, anything else, for lighting the menorah. Now, what do we use for a wick? That's the string that you light. You put it into the oil and you light it. Well, the Shechon says that really any kind of wicks are good, made out of any kind of material. But the best material is cotton or flax. After you lit it, and it burns during the entire time that it's supposed to burn, a little bit of the wick gets used up. Now, can we use this wick for tomorrow night? Well, the Sefer Amin Hagim says that you, uh, there are people who use the same wick for the next night and they add a new wick for the second light because the next night you have to do two. So one you're going to use from last night and then you're going to make a new one because you have to add one. And there are those who say that you should not use the old wick. Make two new ones. Those who say you should use the old wick is because it burns nicer if it's a wick that was used already once. The wick is already used to the flame. It's already black on top a little bit. So it's easier to burn. It burns nicer. But then there are others who say, no, don't use the same one for the two nights in a row. Every night, make new wicks. So either way that you do is good. The Rebbe says that the Friedrich Rebbe used to use the old wicks each night, which makes it burn nicer. The only thing is that if you're going to use the old wicks, don't leave them in the same place, but take the wick which was burnt and put it in the place where you're going to light first. Let's say you're going to write, light three lights. Aleph, Bays, and Gimel. So take the wick that you used last night and put it by Aleph, which you're going to light first. And Bays, put the next one. And Gimel, you put the new one. In other words, to say that when you're going to light the, the lights tonight, you should be lighting the old one first but in the new place because we always light from left to right as we're going to learn later it is our minhag that the shamash the candle that you use for lighting the menorah should be made out of pure shiva that's real wax like beeswax We have to be very careful that the menorah should have all eight lights in one line. It should not be in a circle. It should also not be one further in and one further back like a zigzag or one higher than the other. They should all be one near each other, not too close, not touching each other. They should be close to each other and in one row. Especially if you are lighting wax candles, because you don't have oil, you should make sure that the candles are not too close together, because they'll mel melt each other and they'll get spoiled. It is a nice 
way to fulfill the mitzvah, the Shekhnarach says, by having a nice, beautiful menorah made out of metal. But if you can do even better than that, it's even nicer if you can get a, a menorah which is made out of silver. That makes the mitzvah look even nicer. All the oil and all the wicks that are left over in your Hanukkah menorah after Hanukkah, you should gather it all together and save it to burn it together because you are not allowed to use it for your own use since they were used for a mitzvah. Unless before you used it for Hanukkah you had in mind that anything left over you're going to use for your own things. But if you didn't have that in mind, you have to put it aside and burn them. You could burn them later with the chametz if you want. But the main thing is, you should know that the oil and the wicks have a kedusha in them, so you can't just throw them away. If you bought a container of shaman zayas for Hanukkah, and you used it for as much as you needed to fill up the menorah, and after Hanukkah was over, you still have leftover in the bottle, so even though this bottle was used for a mitzvah, but you're, you did not use this bottle itself for lighting. You just poured from the bottle into the menorah. So that's why this bottle you're allowed to use for anything else that you need it for. Now where is the right place to light the menorah? The right place to light the menorah is by the doorway which goes to the Rishus Harabim to the outside. That's in order to spread the miracle that everyone should know about it. And this is what they did in the time of the Mishnah, in the time of the Gemara. But now it changed because we're living amongst Goyim. We do not light it over there anymore. We do it in the house where we live. The Rabbeim would light the Menorah by the doorways of one of the rooms in the house and not by the window like other people do. The Rebbe says that since this is the way that Abayim did, so this is the best way to do it. There are people who put it by the window, but the Rebbe says that it's not so good because most people who live on this, like a second floor or so they live higher than 20 Amois. And when a menorah is placed higher than 20 Amois, we're not Yoitze. It's no good because a menorah is supposed to be under 20 Amois. If it's higher, people don't see it. Another reason is, even if your window is lower than 20 Amois, but most menorahs today are made with a wall behind the lights that make that block the lights of the menorah so if it's shining to the outside the family will not see the lights if it's facing to the inside to the house so the wall and back of the menorah is going to block it from the window no one will see it from the outside so that's why the best thing is to do it in the doorway, in your house, and not by the window. Now it is the minog to place the menorah on a chair and place it right by the doorway 
and the thickness of the doorpost. That means that when you walk into the room, or when you walk by that doorpost, the mezuzah is on your right side, and the menorah is on the left side. The mezuzah is on the right doorpost, the menorah is by the left side of the left doorpost. Like this, you're surrounded with mitzvahs, you're just in the middle, mezuzah on the right, menorah on the left, and you're in the middle. When many people are lighting in one house a menorah, make sure that everyone's menorah has its own place for it. So like this we can recognize and see how many menorahs are there. Don't just put it all together in one bunch. Put it in a way that everyone sh anyone can b see how many menorahs for how many people were, are lit. Also don't put it in a place where you usually light candles for a whole year in order that people should be able to realize that this is Nadois for Hanukkah. The mitzvah is to place the menorah three tfachim off the ground. At least three tfachim off the ground. And it shouldn't be higher than ten tfachim. That means it should be between three and ten tfachim is the right place. Three tfachim means a little more than nine and a half inches. Let's say ten inches off the ground. And it shouldn't be higher than 32 inches off the ground. If a person put it above 32 inches above the ground, you still yaitza, as long as it's not higher than 20 amos off the ground, which is about 32 feet high. So the best thing is to put it somewhere between 10 and 30 inches off the ground. We have to light the menorah in the house where we eat usually. That means if you're just going to visit your friend's house just for a visit or for a party or something, you have to go back to your house and light it in your house. A, a person should light his menorah in the room where he eats and not by the room where he sleeps. Because the room in which you eat is your main room. Now when is the right time to light the menorah? There are communities that light the Hanukkah menorah after the sun goes down. There are those who wait until the stars come out. Minik Chabad, our minig is to light right after the sun goes down between Mincha and Mayriv. But if a person did not light the menorah between Mincha and Mayrev, he does it after Mayrev. What if many hours passed and he still didn't have a chance to light the menorah? Let's say he was far away and he came home very, very late in the night. So he's allowed to light it with a bracha only if people in the family are still up. But if the family is already sleeping, then he lights the menorah, but without a bracha. Because the main reason of lighting the menorah 
is to let everyone know about the miracle. But what if everybody is sleeping? So you're not really doing really doing the mitzvah properly. Because everyone's sleeping, you can't even show them that you're lighting the menorah. So that's why you should not say the bracha. Now when it comes to time for lighting menorah, we're not allowed, not allowed to do anything which may stop us from doing the mitzvah. We cannot eat, we can't do anything, even to sit down and learn taita. We should just go ahead and light the menorah. Even if you started to sit down and learn, because let's say you forgot or you didn't realize, stop, light the menorah, and then go continue. It is a good idea to stop from doing any kind of things like a half hour before the time of the lighting. Don't do any kind of work. Learning you're allowed to a half hour before, but other things better not to. And then when it comes to time to light, you'll light. Now how do we light the menorah? That's what comes now. The first night of Hanukkah, which is the night going into the 25th day of Kislev, we light one ner, one light. The second night, we light two of them. And like this, we continue throughout every night until the last night, we light all the eight lights. Of course, this doesn't include the shamish, which is separate. Before we light the menorah the first night, we say three brachas. Baruch atah Hashem alekeinu melech ha'elam asheh kiddushonu b'mitzvayis v'tzivanu lahadlik ner Chanukah. The second bracha is Sha'asa nisim laveseinu bayamim ha'heim bizman hazeh and the third brach is Shehecha yano vikimano vihigiano lizeman hazeh. On Friday, when the women and the girls light the Shabbos candles, they say lahad lekner shell. Shabbos Kodesh. Why by Hanukkah we don't say the word shell, we say Lahadlik Ner Chanukah. We don't say shell Chanukah. The reason is because when we say the word shell, that way you can also only say if you're going to enjoy the light and use the light that you're lighting. The Shabbos candles are supposed to give light into the house and by the table, and when you're eating the meal, you enjoy the light. You're supposed to make use of the shine of the light of the Shabbos candles. That's why you can say Shell Shabbos Kodesh. But by the Hanukkah Menorah, we are not allowed to make any use of the lights of the Menorah. That means you're not allowed to use it for your own use. It's only for the mitzvah. For example, to sit near the menorah and read a sefer using the light of the menorah, you're not allowed to. Because you're not allowed to use the lights of the menorah. 
That's why we don't say Lahadlik Ner Shel Hanukkah, because we're not going to use the light. We only light it for the mitzvah. That's why we say Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah. So these are the three brachas we say the first night. Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah, Sha'asa Nisim, and Sha'achiyanu. The, all the other nights, we also say the brachas before we light the menorah, but we only say two brachas, the first two. We say Lahad Leknei Hanukkah and Sha'asinisim, but we do not say Shehechiyonu. Shehechiyonu we only do the first time that we light the menorah. If you go out to Mifzayim and someone did not light the menorah the first night, and you went to him, let's say, the second night, so since that's his first time, he should say, Shechianu. Do not start lighting the menorah until you finished all the brachas. Now, the first light we put on the right side of the menorah. The second night, we add one light to its left side. That means on the left, of where you lit this one and you keep on adding one well after we say the bracha the first light that you light is the one that you added the new one and then you light the ones that are before it to the right so that means you're always lighting from left to right after we finish lighting all the lights, then we start saying Hanedos Halalu. Now the lights have to burn at least a half hour after the stars come out. It's our minig of Chabad that they should burn at least 50 minutes. It's almost an hour. Five, oh, 50 minutes since you lit them. Make sure that before you light the lights that you have enough oil that should last for 50 minutes. Or if you're lighting on candles it should be big enough of a candle to last for 50 minutes. Now the shamish we should place a little bit in a different position than the rest of the lights in order that we should know that Shamish is not counted as one of the lights and we don't put out the Shamish after we use them for lighting the menorah and the reason is because since we're not allowed to use the light of the menorah for ourselves, if you want to sit down with a safer near the menorah some of the light might be, might be shining onto your safer and you're using it that's why it's good to have a shamish. If you have a shamish, so that you're, you're really using the light of the shamish. You're not using the light of the menorah. And it's our minic to be very careful not to light one light from another light. The only thing you should use for lighting is the shamish. What if a light burnt out in middle of the half hour or 50 minutes so what you should do you should relight it but without a bracha 
After the 50 minutes passed, you can move away the Menorah from its place to another place if you need to. Even if the lights are still burning, you're allowed to move it, of course, if that's if you need to. It is our minig to stay near the Menorah for around a half an hour and watch it burn. Except for Erev Shabbos Kodesh, right after we light it, we go straight to Shul. But during the weekdays, it's good to stay there to see them. Like we say in the Hanedi Salalo, Ein lano reshuz lishtamish bahan. We don't have reshuz permission to make use of it. Elal it oisan bilvad. says, but to see them. So that's why we spend a half hour near the Menorah to see the, the lights of the Menorah burning. The Rebbe Maharash said, "Medav zech zuherin vos di lichtalach neiros chanukah der tzelun." We have to pay attention to what the lichtalach, the lights of Chanukah, tell us. And as we learned, since it's a mitzvah to light the menorah in order to spread the miracles of Chanukah. That's why you should gather together the whole family when you light the Menorah in order that everyone should see how you're lighting it to for the mitzvah of spreading Pirsume Nisa, letting everyone know about the great miracle. Those who are married, when they light the Menorah, they wear a gartel. But you don't have to wear Shabbos clothes. You can wear your weekday clothes, but you should wear a gartel. Now, also in the shul, we light the Menorah, also because of Pirsume Nisa, to spread the miracle to everyone. We place it on the Dorim wall, lengthwise from Mizrach to Maidav, just like it was with the Nadois of the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. And the custom is to place it higher than Tent Fachim, not like you do it at home, it should be less than Tent Fachim, in the shul we do it above tent fachim. When do we light it in the shul? Between mincha and maidiv, while it's still daytime, and we say a bracha. And it's good that there should be ten people in the shul while you say the brachas. By the Rebbe, Melech HaMashiach, it's the custom to light the nadois before saying aleinu of mincha, and after lighting it, everyone would sing Hanedis Halalo with the famous nigan that everybody knows, which we'll sing a little bit later. But, even if you were in shul when they lit the menorah, it doesn't mean that you did the mitzvah already. Even the chazan who lights it and says the brachis didn't do the mitzvah yet for himself. You have to go home and light it at home. The only thing is, that the chazin doesn't have to say a second time Shechiyonu at home. The brach is He says at home, even though he said it in the shul. But Shechiyonu, he doesn't have to say over again at home, unless he has a wife and children over there for whom he has to say the older brachas, then he'll say all three brachas. Also, for Shachis, 
in the morning, it's a minute to light the Neidois Hanukkah without a bracha. And you also light the Shamish. Now, since Hanukkah is eight days, so we surely have a Erev Shabbos in the middle of Hanukkah and a Shabbos. So what do we do then? Which candles do we light first? The Hanukkah lights or the Shabbos candles? So the Shulchan Aruch tells us, first we light the Hanukkah menorah, and then goes the candles of Shabbos. And when we light the Hanukkah menorah, even though it's still daytime, it's not Shkia, like we do by the other days, we say a bracha on it, as long as it's not too early in the day. It should be after Plag HaMincha. If you look on the calendar, it tells you exactly what time is Plag HaMincha. Now, it's better on Erev Shabbos to dava Mincha before you light the Menorah. But if there is not enough time to dava Mincha and light the Menorah because it's very close to Shabbos, so better light the Menorah first, then the Shabbos candles, and then dava Mincha. Now, since on Erev Shabbos we're lighting it much earlier, before Shkia, before sunset, that's why we have to make sure that you put in enough oil and if you're doing it with candles you should have enough wax on the candle that it should burn at least a half hour after the stars come out. Of course we don't touch it once Shabbos comes in. After you light it you just leave it and go to Shul. That means that even if one of the lights went out and during the weekdays you would light it again but because now Shabbos came in, we cannot light it over again. So just leave it alone and don't touch the Menorah until Shabbos is over. On Maitzai Shabbos, so in the Shul, they light the Menorah first, then we sing Anayis Halalu, then Oleinu L'Shabeach, and then Havdalah. But at home, first we do Havdalah, and then we light the Hanukkah Menorah. And after we light the Hanukkah Menorah, we say V'yitan Lacha, that we always say after Havdalah. Now, since the days of Hanukkah are days of great miracles, we want to thank and praise Hashem. So we say Ve'al Hanisim in Shemayna Esrei and in Benching. In Shemayna Esrei, we say it right after Moedim, before the words Ve'al Kulam. And by benching, we say it right after the words Ve'chol Es, Ve'chol Sha'ah, right before Ve'al HaKoyl. Now, what if a person was davening Shemayna Esrei and he forgot to say Ve'al Hanisim? So if he reminded himself before he said Baruch Atah Hashem, Hatoiv Shimchol Chonol HaHaydois, so if he reminded himself right before Hashem's name, he can go back and say Valanisim.